Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Second Corinthians chapter 13. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Kind of sounds like a benediction. You think we'd do this at the end of the service. Can everybody say it together with me? Everyone together? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Father, we thank you for your word. It's timeless. It's a lamp to my path, a light to my feet. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, here today. We welcome you to have your place and to have your way in our time this morning that it would set in place, in motion, what you want to do in our lives. We know that you are all-powerful and you individually care for us. None of us are cookie cutter and that you have a plan specific. I pray that we would understand something about that today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take, we've, our, our theme has been reignite. The prayer has been, God, reignite a fire. Reignite a fire in us. And I'm believing that we will see, we will see God do a reignition in lives. We're going to see something take place. We will see it. We'll experience it. Prayerfully be a part of it. I'm not delusioned to believe that everybody will, not because he's a respecter of persons. It's just not everybody will. Everybody will to will not to do that. But those uh, we've been holding on to Matthew chapter 5, 6, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. But I also recognize not everybody hungers and thirsts for righteousness. How many here? Don't put your hand up if you don't mean it. And, and we're not, it's not, a, you know, the good, the bad. But how many here, at this point in time, maybe you have to get to that place, but at this point in time, you hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. How many would testify right now you hunger and thirst? Okay, there's a, there's a few. And that is something that God will fill. The text I just read normally is used as a benediction, meaning at the end of something, to bless you as you go. This is one of my, of course, I have a number of favorite texts. This is one of my favorite texts. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of, I'm going to say Father God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Because it's a beautiful picture of the triune God. It's a picture of the Trinity. And in that picture, we have, you see in the middle of the verse, the love of Father God, we know in our most famous scripture in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he's a God of love. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't have redeemed us. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't have given us his son. He loves us. We got to settle that thing. He loves you. He made you to be sons and daughters. And he made you eternal. Nothing else in this world is eternal people. 
He made you eternal. He loves you. And the love of the Father, the first part of the verse, and may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, here we see the second part, the grace is that he gave us his son. His son demonstrated grace. He gave his life. He paid our debt. He stood in our place. He took on flesh. He was born as a babe in the manger for one purpose, not to have Christmas, for one purpose. That is so that he would go to the cross and forgive those before, those present, those later of all their sins. So that we might know the love of the Father again because that had been severed. The grace of the Lord Jesus. Jesus. And the last part, we're going to sit on the last part a bit more today. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. He doesn't often get a lot of press. I frequently, frequently will refer to him as just Holy Spirit because it's a he. I would never call the BJ or the Marisa. I would never, or the Daniel. I would just say BJ, Marisa. And so I call him Holy Spirit. I don't call him the Holy Spirit. Not often. Holy Spirit. Because he's a person. I want to talk about Holy Spirit today. He's not just a presence. He's so much more. And if we are to embrace the triune, the Godhead, then we need to have an apprehension of something of Holy Spirit. Um, the Trinity is not three gods. I've heard people try to say, if you believe in the Trinity, you believe in three gods. It's not three gods. We have a hard time explaining it for the reason that there's nothing on this earth to compare it to. We, we need to compare things. And there's nothing here that compares. He's God. But he manifests himself. His nature is in three aspects. Three parts of his nature. Who he is. We'll talk about that maybe a few minutes from now. So he gave us his son. So Father God, they that worship him must worship him in spirit. So he's a spirit. But he gave us his son, born of a virgin, took on flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, so that he could appropriate everything that we are and bring it to the place where forgiveness of sins could be realized because we were already guilty. We could not cleanse ourselves. We needed an outside source to do it, to cleanse us. Thus, Jesus, the outside source. But when Jesus died, went to the cross, ascended from the dead, he went to be with the Father. Now that created a problem. The disciples were like, I'm sure they were just freaking out. Oh no, you're not leaving. Again, they, they saw him leave at the, you know, when they went into the grave. You're not, you're not going. Like, what are we to do? And he says, I will leave you the counselor, the comforter. He says, an advocate. Holy Spirit. I will leave you Holy Spirit. And so there's the third person. I will leave you the Spirit. You are not alone. Everything you need, you have. I leave that with you. So Christ went to be with the Father. He's at the right hand of the Father, interceding. He stands because what? He is our advocate before the Father. He is our attorney before the Father. I come, the enemy accuses you, and Jesus says he is cleansed because he's come through me. She is cleansed. She's come through me. He advocates through Christ to the Father. So we have a advocate Jesus our Lord. John 4, 23, they that worship him must worship him 
in spirit. So, before you invited Jesus and asked him to forgive you of your sins, you repented and asked him to cleanse you. You called on him as Lord. The only part the Holy Spirit had in your life was to convict you. He convicted you of your sins, and he did it through your conscience. He tweaked your conscience. Number of scriptures, we don't have time. Whole series I got on the conscience, how our conscience works. A weak conscience, strong conscience. But before we, the Holy Spirit dwelt inside, as part of God's creation, the Holy Spirit's job in your life was to convict you. There was a drawing. There was a place where you were coming aware of something. That's in your pre-converted stage. So when we think that people who are not followers of Jesus can just pray and have their answers to prayer, that's just not true because they're not children of God. They can pray, but in that prayer, the prayer is towards calling on his name. They are in a different relationship than as a son or daughter of God because then in that place, the Holy Spirit now intercedes on our behalf. Prior to that, he is convicting you of your sin, drawing you to salvation. It's the place he plays in our hearts. God takes the initiative in all cases. When Christ becomes Lord, it says you're born again. Now, can you imagine being born again? Uh, you can imagine a baby being born. You know, babies come out all squinched up. They spent like a whole pile of time just all squinched up, maybe sucking on their thumb, just all squinched, moving a little bit here and moving a little bit there. All you imagine that child, 10 years old, doing the same thing, never doing anything different? We would say there's a problem with that child, wouldn't we? There's a problem with that child. You see, when you were born again, you entered into a different, a different place, thus called born again. And in that place, when you're born again, what happens on the inside, you are a new creation on the inside. All things are passed away. Behold, in the inside, you are made new. And you declare outwardly the inward miracle, setting in motion God's future work and God's future provision for your life by following him into the waters of baptism. So follow with me here. When you are child of God, you invite him, you are renewed in the inside, in the inward man, born again. Now you declare to the body, this body no longer is of the old nature. This body is of the new nature. That's how come you can't be baptized when you're two months old. You can be dedicated, but you can't be baptized because you have not dedicated your body. Somebody is praying blessing over your body. So now you at the point of salvation, you dedicate, you declare this body, this body is in a new birth. This body is in a new birth. Old things have passed away. This body is in a new birth and you are declaring the outside miracle now is going to manifest itself in this body. This is where the battle takes place in this body. And this body is for a time and a season of time. So we set in motion, we go through the waters of baptism. We're, de we're declaring this body. This body now has changed. And thus, we set in motion what Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, then you begin the renewing of your mind. That didn't happen. You were set free, your sins were cleansed at the point of salvation. But now your soul needs to be renewed because your soul, all it's ever known is the old life. All the habits, all the hang-ups, all the problems, 
all the issues. It's been the old. Now you are being renewed day by day, being renewed. It's that baby growing up now. It's the baby growing up. And it's in your soul, your mind, your will, emotions. You're growing in the Lord. So you see how the part of the body, similar to the Trinity, but the part where the spirit is made new, the inward man, the body is declared a new creature. Now I will serve him. So my body, that's how, he says, so if you give your body to the old things, if you give your body to sensuality, if you give your body to the lust of this world, if you give your body to chemical things or intoxinations and stuff like that, then your body is not being redeemed. You declare that at baptism. My body is being renewed. I declare that. It's a declaration. But now you live it out through the power of what God's going to do is he renews your soul. And there's the interface. There is where now the battle takes place. Your body will simply manifest what you feed the soul. You grow in Christ and in his likeness. And this is where we just don't want a little Holy Spirit. Not that you're big little. We want the fullness of the Holy Spirit. God, fill me. Saturate me. Overflow. Those expressions, those are accurate expressions. Overflow. Why? Because the renewal will not take place. Because I'll still live for the old man. You've known people, maybe yourself. You've known people who supposedly got saved, but nothing ever really changed. Maybe they got a big Bible, and maybe they went to church once in a while. But other than that, you never saw a change. I'm going to challenge, maybe they were never changed. Maybe they were never changed. You see, salvation is not saying something. Salvation is turning away and being renewed in your soul. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, God, the Holy Spirit, come back to the text, fellowship of the Holy Spirit. He wants to fellowship with you, wants to fellowship. How do we describe, how do I illustrate this? How many here have a cell phone on you? Don't lift the phone, just, okay, come on, there's more of you. I know you got your cell phones. Didn't leave them out in the car. Maybe some of you did. Left them in your pocket, maybe. Okay, so if you were to call me, and don't, because I haven't got my cell phone on me, besides I did turn it off. If, you've, if you were to call me, if you never knew me, if you never met me, you called me on the phone, and we talked for a few minutes on the phone, how much of Wayne do you know? Well, you would know my phone number if you called me. Uh, you would know the sound of my voice don't know what I look like unless we FaceTime, so you still don't know what I look like. Just all that was in those minutes is all you know of me. So is it accurate that you know me? Well, it is. We've made contact. But how well do you know me? There's the question. So if we were to have dinner together and we were to spend an hour or two hours together, shook hands, sat down, and began to talk, now you know me in a different way. You know me much more deeply. You know what I look like. You see my mannerisms. We begin to talk and back and forth. You, you learn a whole lot more about me in the face-to-face encounter. The clothes I wear, the things I like, my complexion, all that. You couldn't have got on the cell phone. Things you like, the things you don't like, the food I like, the food I don't like. You learn volumes about people when you meet them in person. Likewise. As you get to learn about God, Holy Spirit will reveal God to you. But we need to better appreciate this third person of the Trinity, this Holy Spirit. 
His personality. It will change you as a Christian as you get to know Holy Spirit. Who are you, Holy Spirit? If you say you want a fellowship with us, what does that look like? Holy Spirit, again, the Trinity is a difficult concept to grasp. There's been different analogies. Again, the reason it's so difficult is we have nothing on this earth to compare it. We've tried. We tried to use the egg. You have the shell, you have the white, the egg white, and you have the yolk. Eh, it's not a perfect illustration. We've tried water. You have rain, you have water, you have steam, and you have ice. Eh, still not a perfect illustration. Another one I use, but it's not perfect either. You have your car. You have the body, you have your chassis, and you have your engine. That's the car. Again, it's still not a perfect illustration. We don't have anything to compare the triune nature of God here on this planet. That's why it's difficult to grasp and to try to explain to somebody who wants to argue it. Turning my life over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ transforms me from the person into the place as what salvation looks like. This is where the Holy Spirit, walking with him, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, knowing him. To know him personally helps you to understand God. Who is Holy Spirit? Who is Holy Spirit? Ah, who is Holy Spirit? When Jesus went to be with the Father, he said, I can't stay with you. I send my Holy Spirit to be with you. That was huge. They did not understand it then. They couldn't have understood it. But they would in the days that followed. He said, I want you to go, Acts 1, 8. I want you to go. I want you to tarry. Because although the Holy Spirit dwells in you, I want you to be filled with Holy Spirit. Be overflowing. For in that, the gifts will flow. For in that, there will be the renewing of your mind. And when Jesus went to be with the Father, he went in that precise moment. You know the Holy Spirit will go back to be with the Father one day too? Holy Spirit's on the earth right now. Matter of fact, this room is filled with Holy Spirit because you came in. Before you came in, there, I don't know if there's any Holy Spirit here. But when you came in, you brought Holy Spirit. Praise God. You brought Holy Spirit with you. One day, Holy Spirit will go to be with the Father. And when he goes, he takes you with him. It's called the rapture. When he calls the children, Holy Spirit, we go. We go to be with him. What makes a person a person? Hmm. Maybe you've been to a funeral, and I'm going to call the person's name John. Say John is there in the casket. Now, is John there? The John you knew, the John you loved, the John you did life with? Is John there? I mean, we would say John's not there. The body is, the tent that housed John is there. John's not there. John, as a believer, he's gone to be, if he's a follower of Jesus, he's gone to be with the Father. But John's not there. Have you ever noticed in a, at, a, at a funeral when the uh, undertaker gets up to announce at the end, we're going to go out to the cemetery, and he talks about it? He, he doesn't say, and we're going to take John over to such and such a cemetery. You'd never hear him say that. What will he say? You were going to take what? The body. He never calls him by name. They don't, because that would be silly. John's not there. We're going to take the body to the cemetery. We're taking the body. So we are personality in a body. 
or personality. And that is, yes, this body is what you've seen. Spirit has come alive at salvation. It was dead prior to Christ coming into our hearts, but comes alive at salvation. And then our soul, which is our mind, will, intellect, being renewed. And in there, uh, we, that's what develops our personality. This morning, when you watch me preach, you don't simply see a body. You see more than that. You see a personality coming forward. The Holy Spirit's like a person, just like you. Many ways different, too, but he is a person. He's not simply an it. That's why I tend to bristle a little bit when I hear people refer to him as an it. Just, I, I realize his ignorance. He's not an it. He's a person. He's a person. He feels, he perceives, he responds, he gets hurt, and he has the ability to love. The Father commands. Jesus the Son performs the commands as he's been given the authority, the power of attorney, to fulfill what the Father commands through Jesus Christ. Thus we say in Jesus' name, through his authority. But it's the Holy Spirit who empowers. Holy Spirit does it. Let me give another illustration of this. If I was to say, hey, Tony, go turn, turn on the lights. Go turn on the lights. So I was the one who gave the command. Tony would be the one to go back and turn on the lights. But you still need a third thing. What do you need? When he pushes the switch, what has to happen for these to come on? Power. It's called electricity. There's three things. So the command was given. The movement to go to the lights, the authority to get it. But it still required electricity. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. Our text. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, the love of the Father, Father God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Through provision of Jesus, his son, with the power and communion of the Holy Spirit, he does the work of the Father. A number of years ago, Lori and I were privileged to sit under a message by David Yungai Cho. David Yungai Cho uh, pastored a large, large church in South Korea. And he was the surprise guest at the conference. We were elated, I particularly. And I was giddy because I got a bunch of his material. And he, he, he shares, he says, when he gets up to preach, remember him, when he gets up to preach, he says, I say in my heart, dear Holy Spirit, I'm going to start now. Let's go. You supply the knowledge. You supply the wisdom. You supply the discernment. I'm simply going out. I just need you to speak through me. And then he says, when he finishes his message, he, says, he sits down. He says, Holy Spirit, I think we did a good job today together, didn't we? And you get the idea that him and fellowship with the Holy Spirit are pretty tight. That he recognizes there's not a distinction. Well, there is. But he welcomes Holy Spirit's flow regularly. Holy Spirit, take your place in my heart and life. And may out of me be Holy Spirit led, not simply me. And moments and times like a Sunday morning or moments and times where I do a God thing. But my life is led by Holy Spirit. 
I really got that sense when I listened to David Yonggai Cho. No wonder he had a church of 800,000. You see, the difference between the Holy Spirit being an it, a power, and, and the Holy Spirit being a person is really big. You see, if Holy Spirit is a power, listen to this, if the Holy Spirit is a power, you'll want to get a hold of it. You'll want to get a hold of the power. But if Holy Spirit is a divine person, we'll want him to get a hold of us. There's a big difference there. If Holy Spirit is a power, we'll want it to accomplish our will. So God, save my husband, save my wife, save my kids, fix my job. What are we doing? We're trying to get it to work for us. Rub the genie, get him to come out. Answer my prayer, Holy Spirit. You see, if the Holy Spirit's a person, we'll simply want to surrender to him in awe and wonder, and out of that flows ministry. See the difference? We want to control it, but when he's a person, we surrender to him. Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen. And out of that comes miracles. Out of that comes answers to prayer. Divine wonder. Jesus showed the divine person of the Holy Spirit by speaking of him as a he. I mean, John chapter 16. Let's read it. John 16, 13. Jesus says, when he, everybody say he. He, when he, if you're new for you, you can say e, okay? When he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Didn't say it. He. Let me talk about him. The Bible teaches a number of things. First of all, he has an intellect. Holy Spirit has an intellect. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's read it. For the Spirit teaches all things, yes, the deep things of God. He's teaching. The Holy Spirit's teaching. Verse 11, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. He teaches us. Romans chapter 8, 26. The Spirit makes intercession for us with groaning which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He is doing it. That's a person. That's the Spirit, not it. Did we pick up on that? Holy Spirit prays. Holy Spirit searching your heart. Holy Spirit has a mind. Secondly, he has a will. When Jesus returned to heaven, he placed Holy Spirit in charge of the church. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, here it is, as he wills. The Bible says Holy Spirit has a will. The Apostle Paul grabbed a hold of this. He was telling the elders in the church of Ephesus in Acts chapter 20. Paul says, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The Holy Spirit put that, that in place. Even Jesus, when he spoke in Revelations chapter 2, verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Who's speaking? The Spirit. Spirit is speaking. Number three, Holy Spirit has emotions. He can love. Romans 15, 30, I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, he loves to join me in my struggles. Really the question, have you personally known the love of Holy Spirit in your life? He can be grieved. 
Ephesians 5, we read, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God for whom you were sealed for the day. Don't grieve him. Don't grieve him. That word grieve means to torment, to cause sorrow, to vex, to offend, to insult, to cause pain. In other words, the Holy Spirit has a tender heart and he will easily weep for you and me. He can be grieved. That's amazing. Number four, Holy Spirit can speak. 1 Timothy 4, we read, the Spirit clearly says, who? The Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith, follow deceiving spirits. The Spirit says. Number five, he can be insulted. The writer of the book of Hebrews discusses danger of sinning when you know the truth. You shouldn't sin. So if you know what to do and you keep doing it, mm -mm, stop. He recalls the fact that anyone who rejects the law of Moses dies without mercy. And then he adds Hebrews chapter 10. Read this. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that has sanctified him, and who, here it is, has insulted the Holy Spirit of grace? You can insult Holy Spirit. Insult means to treat with contempt. You can treat with contempt the Holy Spirit. Oh, people do it. Oh, we do it. Treat with contempt. Number six, Holy Spirit can be lied to. You recall the story of Ananias and Sapphira in chapter five of Acts. Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to, here it is, lie to the Holy Spirit. You just lied to Holy Spirit. Number seven, he can be blasphemed. Matthew 12, 31 we read, and so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. You can blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Now, to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you know exactly what you're doing. It's not a whoops. Have I blasphemed him? I'm not, I hope I haven't. No, it's not a whoops. It's a deliberate action against the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy is a willful act to stand in direct opposition to him. It's not an accident. It's not a mistake. He can be blasphemed. And number eight, he can be resisted. I can't imagine why anybody would want to resist the most wonderful person on this earth. But we do. He can be resisted. It's actually a constant practice, resisting Holy Spirit. Those who don't know him are presently still resisting him. You resisted him at one time. Those who, who don't know him as Lord and Savior, they are presently resisting Holy Spirit. Stephen, in the book of Acts, filled with the Holy Spirit, stood before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. And Stephen said, you always are resisting Holy Spirit. You're resisting him. Resisting him. You won't, you won't receive him. And lastly, he can be quenched. There's a difference between resist and quench. I want to show you this. The world, the unsaved, resists him. The believers quench him. See the difference? The unsaved resists him. I will not, I will not receive. But a follower of Jesus quenches him. We do not let him do his work. We quench him. Big difference. Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. 
Now, Paul's not talking to the ungodly when he says that. He's talking to the church. At that chapter, he says, brothers and sisters. And he gives a number of very positive directives. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 12, Paul says, brothers and sisters, we need to recognize those in ministry. In verse 13, Paul is saying, brothers and sisters, live at peace with each other. Warn the idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Paul says, brothers and sisters, in verse 14, be patient with each other. Verse 15, don't return evil with evil. Pursue what is good. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. Verse 16, he says, give thanks for everything. Then Paul comes to the part we just mentioned. As he closes it down, he says, and do not quench his spirit. It's to the church. Don't quench his spirit. The unbeliever resists the Holy Spirit by rejecting the good news. The child of God quenches him when we quench the flame that once burned bright. We quench it. We quench it. It's like throwing a rag over it. We begin to quench the Holy Spirit. He's wanting to do a great work. Hmm. We don't let him. He's wanting to do a great work. We're sitting in front of Hollywood. He wants to do a great work. No, we're... we're Soothing ourselves with the things of this world. He wants to do a great work. We occupy ourselves at our place of work. He wants to stir our heart. He wants to minister. But we're here and there and we're quench, quench, quench. Holy Spirit is saying, I want to do a great work in you. Quench, quench. Paul cries out, don't quench him. Some of the great revivalists. One of the ones most well known was Catherine Kuhlman. I'd never met Catherine Kuhlman would get up in her meetings and during worship she would just come out and she, and she would often say, stop quenching the Holy Spirit. He's here. Why are you, re not resist, why are you quenching? Why are you not allowing him to work in your life? Just open your heart. And when people did, God began to move as he desired. Don't quench him. You know, our theme here has been reignite us, oh God. Reignite us. Because oftentimes we are quenching the Holy Spirit. Oh, we say, I don't sense him. We don't want to go to a prayer meeting. We, we struggle even coming to the house of God. We don't want to pray. We struggle in our prayers. We run short in our prayers. We don't have spiritual discipline. Did that just happen? No, it didn't just happen. It's an ongoing process of quench. Quenching. The Holy Spirit is saying, and this is the call that we have. God, reignite your Holy Spirit among your people. Because when he gets reignited all, heaven demonstrates itself on earth. When we welcome, welcome Holy Spirit, we're saying, Don't, I won't quench you. I won't quench you. Genesis chapter 1, I want to bring this to a close. In the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And introduces us to Father God, the power behind creation. Then in verse 2 it says, and the earth was without form was void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And hear this, and the Spirit of God was hovering. God, God, created heaven and earth. But you see, the person of Holy Spirit is hovering. He's waiting. He's hovering upon the face of the earth. And then we go, and it says, and God said, spoke. Let there be light. <clears throat> Holy Spirit brought light. Let there be vegetation. Separate light from darkness. Holy Spirit. You see how it's working? 
You see the Holy Spirit, each one. Father spoke, Holy Spirit set into place. Holy Spirit. He, he who dwells in you, who raised Christ from the dead, who separated light from darkness, who separated the spheres of the earth from the spheres of the stars, who put them all in place, who was in the process of the, who was doing as the Father spoke, Holy Spirit did. You see the power, God speaking, Holy Spirit moving. God speaking, Holy Spirit moving. The pattern's the same, hasn't changed. How do you hear God's voice today? Let the Spirit of God move. God has already spoken. Let the Spirit move. Just as he was a part of creation from day one, Holy Spirit's igniting God's word today, I believe this morning, igniting God's word to produce light in the midst of darkness. Holy Spirit's moving. Job, probably the oldest book in the Bible. Job was living around the same time as Abraham. Job, chapter 26, 13. Job says, by his breath, the skies become fair. (sighs) By his breath. Just as my breath here carries my voice, do you realize you wouldn't hear a thing from me if I didn't have any breath in me? My lungs have to release something, hit through my vocal cords for you to hear something. My breath is coming out every time I'm speaking. My breath is coming out, but you can't hear as God speaks, the breath of God is Holy Spirit. It move, he moves. He moves in abundance. He moves in might. Carries the voice of the Father. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he promised Holy Spirit to descend in that upper room on the day of Pentecost. They didn't have a little rustling. Acts 2, 2 says, suddenly a sound like a blowing. Why wind? We've asked. Why wind? He came in power, the breath of God. <laughs> you see it? The breath of God. Down upon people. Fire began to fall. Baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I baptize you in fire. Holy Spirit came as the breath of God. I grew up just a couple of miles from the Toronto Gliding Club. The Gliding Club was in Arthur. And often on Sunday afternoons after I would go to church, I would come home, I'd get on my bicycle, and I'd take off and go to the Gliding Club. I was between a gliding club and a parachuting club. It was great. I'd go one or the other. I just, I just always wanted to do both. Now I'd go to the gliding, Toronto Gliding Club, and I'd watch them. They'd hook on their glider to a plane on the rope, and then they take off, and they go up, and they get up to a certain height, and they release, they release the glider. And, and sometimes the glider would only be 20 minutes, and they'd be back down on planet Earth. But other times, the glider could be up there for almost an hour. What was the difference? What was the difference? It wasn't necessarily because it was a windy day. What was the difference? The difference really was that the glider, the one that stayed up, knew how to catch the draft. You could actually see it not coming down. It was just catching drafts and going back up, picking up speed, catching a draft, going back up again. And it would stay up there for almost an hour. And you say, how come that thing doesn't come down? Because they knew how to catch the draft. I want to say, there's something of the spirit where we catch that draft. God, help me to catch the draft of your spirit. We keep falling back to earth, but God, help me to catch the draft of your spirit. As a believer, I seek to catch the wind of his spirit. God, take me higher. Take me higher. Not motions. I'm not talking emotions. But may I become raptured in him. 
When we gather together to worship, we need to learn to become aware of his presence. When we worship, when we sing, when we, there's a draft. Are we catching the breath of the Spirit? Are we just singing a song? Our minds are miles elsewhere. It'll dictate whether or not we're quenching him. Oh, Holy Spirit, I want to catch the draft. Holy Spirit, I just wait in your presence. I want to catch that. Breathe on me, breath of God. As a believer, we want him to take us higher. When we begin to sense him, we begin to stir in our hearts. Oh, may we write write down what he is speaking to us. May we write down, may we we mark it. It's too important to forget what he has just spoken to my heart. When the worship leader worships in songs, don't rush in where angels fear to tread. You are entering on holy ground. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I stand in awe of you today. See, there's a big difference. We can flippantly not know he is here. The same one who separated the earth from the rest of the sky. The same one who breathed Acts 2, 2. <laughs> Power of the Holy Spirit went across the whole region. He is here. When he speaks to me, am I simply going to move on? Or am I going to respond to his leading? I've noticed over the years, the Holy Spirit responds to hunger. I've noticed that. The longing and desire of his people draws him closer together. Because not everybody longs for him. Not everybody desires. Because he changes you. Because when Holy Spirit when moves in a surrendered life, oh, the renewing of the mind begins to ramp it up. and We start to look different. It's a good difference. Often he will begin to work in a person's life as you allow access, as you allow him to minister to, eventually through. If the Holy Spirit, think about it, if the Holy Spirit could turn a lump of mud in Genesis, could turn a lump of mud into man, what do you think the breath of the Almighty can do to us who open our heart to him today? Mm. As he breathes on us, you can expect something to happen, something deep, something penetrating. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca